Velkomen. We travel to the home of ABBA, the Cardigans, wonderful baked goods, and some of the top mini golfers in the world. We are headed across the ocean to Sweden with a fantastic guest on the podcast. You already know me, I'm Mr. T, and I go by Tom as well. Find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the Pink Putter at a couple and on social media at Couple Putts. If you're looking for course and whole design work, you can always find all of our designs at minigolfdesigners.com and you can even pick up some merch from minigolfgoods.com. And I'm Pat, the co-founder of the Minigolf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. I'm really excited as we continue to expand our guest list with some great individuals in the world of mini-golf internationally. And this time we're going to get our first guest from Sweden on. So really cool bit there as we expand the different viewpoints we're having on the podcast. From a Penguin perspective, you can find everything that we do if you search for Putting Penguin on most of the social media outlets. You can visit our website at theputtingpenguin.com, and we're going to be doing our best to keep things going throughout the winter, whether it's with past reviews or some stuff that we're doing for training for upcoming tournaments, things like that. And then while you're out there and scrolling, don't forget to follow the podcast mini accounts on social media. And wherever you're listening to our podcast, make sure you're out there liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review. And this is the part of the episode where I remind you that this is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. You can find all about what we're doing over at amaminigolf.com. You can sign up for our mailing list and follow as we add new competitive events for the 2024 season across the country. We have about 30 events on the docket already that we expect to happen, but we'll be releasing them slowly but surely as we move through these chillier months in the northern part of the United States. If you want to become a member and you love mini golf and you want to join in and have some fun, you can become a new member or renew for free over at amaminigolf.com. Membership remains free thanks to the generous sponsorship by Walkabout Mini Golf VR. Our friends have made some absolutely delightful courses that we're already enjoying, like the new Around the World in 80 Days, and we know that they have lots more cooking up that we'll be looking to play in the new year. So thank you to Walkabout, and uh, lots to come from the AMA, so stay tuned. And you can putt when ready. Time for a little news before we kick off the show. And just for context, the interview that's in this episode, this is recorded a few weeks ago, and we wanted to add in some news that was more timely and relevant since there were a number of events happening here at the end of January. And we're going to start off with yesterday's American Mini Golf Alliance AMA event that was the first in-person event for 2024. And it was a real barn burner. It was at Prodigy Mini Golf in East Hampton, Massachusetts, our first event in Massachusetts to date. And it was our first event at Prodigy Mini Golf. They are a indoor blacklight 18-hole course that has a video game vibe inside. They have old 8-bit Nintendo systems and other stuff to play and a really, really funky course with a lot of creative gameplay and whole layout. 
And it was a two-round tournament with 25 competitors. And in no surprise, we had a very close match with a really great field. And we had three people after two rounds that were all tied. And they went to a three-hole tiebreaker. Two of them are going to be names very familiar to Aaron Kaminsky of O Street Mini Golf, who was our AMA number one ranked player at the end of last season. And Dave Veda, who won the Matterhorn Pro-Am and will be playing over in Brno, Czech Republic at the World Adventure Golf Tour Championship. The third person was a name that I wasn't as familiar with, David Bava. But all three of them went to a three-hole tiebreaker and Dave Veda had just an incredible three holes that you can watch and see all over on the AMA Instagram. And yeah, over three holes, he shot a seven. I think the next best score was a 10 and then an 11. Uh, the 11 was by Aaron Kaminsky, who ended up in third. And David Bava came in second in his first event for the AMA, as far as I know. I could be wrong. And then in fourth place, we had... Another familiar name to the AMA, Justin Seymour with a 107. Griffin Weiss with a 108 was in fifth. Matt Lyles was in sixth with a 111. Ed Weiss was in seventh with a 114. And we had a tiebreaker that's also on the AMA Instagram between Kevin Weiss, another Weiss family member, and Kyle Corsi. Both of them shot a 116. And after three holes, Kevin Weiss Came out on top, I believe he aced the last hole, but again, go back and watch our AMA Instagram. Some other familiar names that had played the event. We also had Nathan Fournier from up in Maine. We had Anna Seymour. We had Michael Seymour, which is Justin Seymour's brother, Jacob Yale, Mandy Ranslow of the Putting Penguin, Glenda Reining, who is also from up in Connecticut, I believe, and Lisa Semino, who is the mom of Aaron Kaminsky. So it was a really great turnout for the year. They have the whole event up on Twitch. A lot of great commentary, and it's like a five-screen split thing where you can see a handful of the holes being played at once. It was very cool to have that all streamed live and available. Those are the results. I don't know if we'll talk much more about the results because neither Pat and I were there, but this is a really challenging course, and... Yeah, 105 putts for the top three players across those those two rounds. It kind of tells you how hard it is. It was not a lot of easy aces. And frankly, there were a bunch of holes where you go for the ace between the metal rim cups and some of their drop-offs behind the cup. You really start to add up your score. So that's our first in-person event of the year. We have the coziest mini golf open coming up in Minnesota on February 18th. And on the following weekend, we actually have two events on the docket. We have the O-Stream Mini Golf Winter Classic that's going to take place at the Manchester Family Golf Center on February 24th. And between February 24th and 25th, we will have our first virtual event of the year, which will be our walkabout event. It'll be the first week of the Discord-based weekly league for walkabout mini golf. We'll give you more information on that soon, but we'll have that up in the AMA website in the event section. You just go to amaminigolf.com. We're also going to have our virtual event on PUT18 that will be happening between 
March 17th and March 23rd in advance of season 14 of Putt 18. So those are really our events for the first part of the year. Again, still announcing a few more, as I mentioned earlier, and just stay tuned to the podcast for that. And funny enough, the other event that we were really waiting to get the results from also happened yesterday and also was streaming. We had a National Putting Tour event. And if you remember, Brock Gillespie from National Putting Tour was on our podcast last year. We had Brock organize an event at the Pop Stroke in Orlando, where last year they had an event for the Pop Stroke Tour series. And they had a really nice turnout. They had a couple options for buy-in between amateurs and pros and elite pros and teams. I think we had about 44 players in the singles and had about four others in the amateurs. But it was a three-round tournament at Pop Stroke. And after three rounds, Adam Shanks, who's a familiar name to that Pop Stroke Tour Series, came on top with a minus 18. Following uh, in a tie for second, Rainy Statham and Pete Lyon had a minus 14. We had Gary McNeely with a minus 13. And then two friends tied for fifth, Tim Talley and Gary Hester, who've been on the podcast before. They had a minus 12. Jacob Fair and Randy Reeves tied for seventh with a minus 10. And Sean Tate and Chuck Palm tied for ninth with a minus nine. Our amateur winner should be familiar to many people who know the putt-putt world and mini golf was Paula Gay, and she bested the four other people that signed up in the amateur division. And then there was a team's event that took the three-round scores of people that had teamed up together. Should be no surprise, Adam Shanks, who came in first, and Gary McNeely, who came in fourth, won the team event. Gary Hester and Rainey Statham came in second, again, both in the top 10. Peter Lyon and Jacob Fair came in third for teams. Lots of notable names from the mini golf and putt-putt world that have been around for a while that were playing in this tournament, including Lee Messinger, Gary Schiff from down in Florida, Rob Morris, who's a regular on the Pop Stroke Tour last year and played a World Putting League event, Ken Cranford, Gary English, Greg Newport, Jeremy Anabinet, who had been on the podcast before, Tony Varnador, Danny Tatum, who's going to be the captain of Team USA for Wagam in 2024, and John Powell. So lots of people that are going to be playing for Team USA or have already played for Team USA, as well as just a really, really great field. Congrats to Brock and everybody who played. If you go check out the National Putting Tours Instagram account, you can see a little bit of the event streaming there, as well as on their website, you can find a picture of all of the results. We're going to be excited to see what the National Putting Tour is doing throughout this year, especially since really they're the only people that we see that are nationally trying to promote pop stroke events so far this year. And on top of that, they do a ton of events out on the West Coast. I know they had some earlier this year out in California, and frankly, they're the main people organizing out on the West Coast. So we're always curious to see what they're doing and follow what's happening, but Excited yesterday just to sit down on a Sunday afternoon and have multiple options to watch streaming mini golf to begin the day in January. So kudos to both Prodigy and to Brock for really getting it out there. We love seeing more streaming events and hoping we're going to get lots more to follow throughout the year. So as we mentioned earlier, we have an exciting guest from Sweden that we'll 
let them introduce themselves. But there's a number of things that we discuss in the interview that I just wanted to prep you for because there's a lot of jargon in the competitive mini golf world that especially the Swedes, it's just commonplace. But you'll hear the term MOS a lot, which is mini golf open system. A lot of you might know that also as adventure golf. It's kind of a catch-all for mini golf that's not the standard forms of mini golf that are mostly played over in Europe on concrete, Ethernet, or felt. Uh, felt comes up. It's talking about the traditional Swedish felt courses. You can look up a lot of this stuff online, but we just wanted to set you up for that because there's a lot of discussion about MOS, the mini golf open system and adventure golf. So if any of that's confusing, we apologize, but we tried to do our best to give context for the very different way the game is approached in Sweden and how really developed the competitive game is over there. Yeah, the WMF has a great resource, little pamphlet, if you go to their website that talks about all the different systems. And I think the key thing to remember is that while all adventure golf are MOS, not all MOS are adventure golf. Like you said, it's a umbrella around everything that is not one of the standard three forms that are out there. So something like putt shack, right? We wouldn't call that adventure golf, but that would follow under the, the MOS umbrella. But I highly will throw a link in the, the notes to the actual place from the WMF that gives a really good, clear description on all of them if you're interested in following along. And then I would say if you're interested in learning about some of these other things too, check out the WMF YouTube. There's plenty of cool videos from all the different types out there. Yeah. And if I stumble, as I mentioned in the last episode, played a lot of these types of mini golf overseas for the first time. So bear with us. If we made any mistakes, feel free to drop us a comment and we'll make retractions or corrections in a future episode. But on to our interview. We're excited to kick off 2024 early with an interview and we had to wake up nice and early in the morning to make sure it happens because we have a little bit of a time difference. But we're happy to welcome our first guest of 2024 to the show. And I am going to let him introduce himself so I don't butcher his first or last name because <laughs> he's not from this country and I do not speak Swedish. So, guest, please introduce yourself. Welcome. I'm, my name is Eddie Sutherland. I am from Sweden. I've played mini golf since 1991, and I am 40 years old this year coming up. So yeah, I think that's that's me in a short. <laughs> Welcome to the 40s club. <laughs> yeah, it's, not it, yet. Next soon, year. soon. This year, this year. <laughs> next year, twenty twenty four. Next yeah, year, pre welcome to the club. <laughs> Thank you. And and part of the reason that we're having Eddie on, in addition to being just a wonderful person, is that he plays a big role in the world of competitive mini golf in a tour that we've talked about a bunch, and that is the City Golf Tour. And Eddie, what is your specific title for the City Golf Tour? I don't think I have any specific title anymore. <laughs> I, I was the only employee for for the tour until June. And after that, there is no employed person working with Thor. It's uh, all the, the board doing the stuff. 
with the, my help. Well, very cool. Well, we're going to we're going to get into the City Golf Tour and what it is for those that aren't following competitive mini golf that much. But that's a big reason why we had Eddie on. But as he had mentioned earlier, he has a long history with the game of mini golf and he and I were exchanging. And so I was just really interested to hear about it. So let's start at home. 1991, you're starting to play mini golf. Tell us what that looked like. Like, what kind of mini golf were you playing? That was only only felt golf, golf courses. So he I was playing only felt. the the Swedish felt golf courses, which is one of the three standard competitive mini golf style courses that you can really only find in parts of Europe and the states. We don't really have much of a footprint of it. So did you grow up playing the other uh, standard forms in Eternit or the Concrete? Yeah, Baton? yeah. I, I played the, the Swedish Championships for Youth Night 4 on Eternit and the Felt. And how'd you do? Uh, I, I think I finished fifth on both. Nice. Yeah, but I was 10 years old. <laughs> which i guess and i know maybe i'll steal your question tom but lisa Please. like how as a youth did you get involved in the competitive side because that's been an area i mean still to this day especially in the u.s that it's been hard to cultivate so interested to see and always hear about how the youth get involved so what was that like for you yeah my dad he played all his life so the all the all the families involved in the in the sport in one way or another well, and that was going to be where I got into it. So, so tell us more about all of it. Like, talk about your family <laughs> and where you're all involved in in mini golf. Because we are with the AMA have a lot of family members playing, but not to the level at which Eddie's family. So, talk about like just broadly every, how everybody's yeah. involved. Yeah, I think my dad started playing when he was like 10, 12 years old. And a friend of his dad brought him to the course and let, let him try and play. And uh, then when, when I grew up and my sister and my younger brothers, we practically born on the golf course. <laughs> Only one that doesn't play is my mother. She's involved in the, in the club as well anyway. With all the, oh, yeah, the, the sales stuff in the... So, so how many brothers? How many brothers and sisters do you have? I have one sister and two brothers. Nice. And Andre, I saw play in the tournament in earlier in the year in the City Golf Tour. Was your other brother playing in that tournament as well? No, no, he wasn't. Okay. And then your sister Pat knows now because she has a lot to do with broadcast mini golf now. Yeah, and a uh, part of uh, Pat's committee in the VMF since since this year. Yep. Yeah, she joined on after the the work she's been putting in with City Golf and everything. So. And did she do? Did she do commentary during the World Championships as well as the City Golf events? She did. Wow! And so did she play as well? We should probably like. What her you pronounce her name so I don't butcher it. Ronya. Yeah. See, I would have said that <laughs> not like that. <laughs> uh, and so she's played 
I assume competitively at some point in her life. Yeah, as well. yeah, she has. She she started a family a couple of years ago and haven't played much since. But uh, she's still involved in the in the game, and the, her her children started to play this year. Oh, her, her oldest son, I think he has played like five years. Wow. So, so that's something we really don't have in the U.S. is like multi generational competitive yeah. mini golf. It's, it's, we just talked about three generations here now. Does your dad still play? Yeah, he does. Wow, that is awesome. That is he, super. He's, awesome. he's still good. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing about mini golf. We always talk about it that yeah. as a sport, as you age, you can still play it, but then that becomes a problem. Like us in the states where you have an older generation of mini golfers who, you know, they can just completely all wax us still. And we're just like, man, you know, they've been playing for 40 years and you would think they would slow down, but some of them, you look at folks like Gary Hester, just like keep getting better. So that's, that's awesome. Um, And so I guess, you know, what was it like growing up around mini golf? Does it just seem like really common to go out to the mini golf course and practice competitively yeah yeah it was i i I grew up playing mini golf and i think i was 13 or maybe 14 when i started to to work at the course selling in clubs and yeah all the summers was spent at the course playing and hanging out with friends and I don't even think we asked, but what part of Sweden would that be? Sundsvall. And that is about a couple hours north and east of Stockholm? Uh, yeah, Stockholm is at the east coast, and mm-hmm. Sundsvall is at the coast as well. But I think it's like 350 kilometers north. And you probably right. can get there relatively easily by train, I'm sure. Yeah. uh they have such wonderful public transportation that's a part of what makes traveling around sweden for competitive mini golf a lot easier and more convenient and i guess that's like a great kickoff point in talking about the city golf tour as you are the one and only staff person so how did the whole city golf tour come about and with context city golf is a company in europe based out of sweden that builds a variety of different mini golf courses and if i'm correct they started off with the standard styles the felt and the ethernet and then they've really developed i think they they started even earlier before the felt oh so with the ethernet and they like really early on wow yeah 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 I think Ethernet isn't that old in Sweden. Mm. We we played in the eighties and seventies on on another material that needed to be watered down and uh, grounded each morning. Down really? To, yeah. What it, what was it called? Massa. Wow. I Pat, do you know anything about this? No, that was the first I've heard about that. <laughs> we are going to that, that, that this was before my time, so I don't know much about it, but I heard heard about it. Oh, wow. If you can find us photos, we will share them because I'm very curious. I, I can see what I can do. But 
there, there's just like a really deep competitive system in Sweden, so it doesn't surprise me there's another format. But yeah, so City Golf Tour, tell us just about the beginning of how that tour came about and putting it together. I think it was a couple of players missing out on on real competitive play on MOS. Mm. And uh, the, the talk about the tour started way before we actually started in 2021. But in 2021, on the, the spring or in the winter, it, it got more real. And um, I think, let's see, we had Freddy Kasselgren and Gunnar Bengtsson was a big part of going making it go forward and uh, actually starting up the tour and uh, of course with uh, with uh, the clubs starting it with uh, let's see Önsköldsvik, Sundsvall, uh, Sundbyberg, Haga, Gullbersbro, Aschim. I think I missed one. Maybe Örebro was involved as well at the start. And those are the main, these yeah. are some of the main clubs in Sweden that have the adventure golf style, MOS style courses yeah. that are built by City Golf. And yeah, I'm glad you said the names of all those courses because <laughs> then I don't have to say them again because every one of them I would have butchered and not said correctly. But yeah, so you have this really developed club system there that most of these courses, I'm assuming, have some version of both MOS, Adventure Golf, and maybe even some of the standard or the felt golf courses. Because I know the Sumiberg Sumi one does, and I know the Uppsala one has, but are there other ones that have a mix yeah. of the courses? Yeah, Hoga has um, MOS and felt, and... Uh... Sabberberg has felt an MOS. Uppsala has even Ethernet felt an MOS. In Sundsvall, we have two MOS courses, but nothing else. But we have a, a sister club also placed in Sundsvall that has two felt courses. Nice. And is that one an indoor or an outdoor one? Because in Sweden, I know outdoor. you have a lot of... Oh, outdoor. cool. Yeah. And so also in sweden you have a bunch of indoor courses on all of the standard styles i've seen some of them at least with the ethernet and the the felt yeah the felt i think the, the closest one for me living in sonsvall is uh, eskilstuna and that's like 400 kilometers okay i, I think that's the, the one that's that, that's the forest north in sweden so gotcha. it's it's a bit to travel if you want to play during the winter. No, and 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 we know we know that well from the states. It's like us trying to play putt putt. Yeah. That Pat and I don't have any options, especially during the winter months. And so that's a big reason why a lot of us don't play putt putt. And I guess that would transition to a question that I think I would have because you obviously started out playing a lot of felt golf. When did you start playing, you know, we've been saying MOS, but it's the mini golf open system that's also called adventure golf. Yeah, yeah. When did you start playing that? 2018, when my club built their first course. So what 
what prompted that? Like, was the club just, you didn't have options up there or why adventure yeah. golf versus felt? We, we had a felt course and we had a lease from the, from the city that ended and we, that we wouldn't, we, we, oh, I lost the word. We wasn't allowed to prolong the, the lease mm-hmm. of the, so we got another spot and uh, we, the first plan was to build a felt course, but someone on the talking permits and what we need asked why we didn't build an adventure golf instead. And I think that's that started it. And then before us, Sundbyberg and Gilbertsbro had already built adventure golf courses. And uh, so that, that sprinkled the seed that grew into us building MOS. The plan, I think, after that was that we build this adventure golf to get much people to play, and then we can build our felt course. But uh, yeah, when it was time for the second course, no one in the club played felt anymore. So we built another adventure golf course instead. And so growing up, so you didn't have random mini golf courses around like that we have in the states like the harris style or big ones with like windmills or no novelty characters that's just not a thing that you have around in sweden no no, no. only felt courses also everywhere not everywhere but that's what we played and i guess how aware were you of like what we have in the u.s have you like I mean, I know it pops up in media and in, you know, movies and stuff sometime, but I mean, did you guys have a concept of like how different the U.S. was when it came to mini golf at that point? Like, I mean, outside of the competitive, because I'm sure you would have heard stuff through the competitive system, but like as a everyday I'm, Swedish person. Yeah, I, I don't think we knew that much about competitive mini golf in, in the U.S. at all, especially not me growing up. It's the, yeah, since maybe early 2000, we started her, her here to hear about the US Monsters and some Swedes went over to play. Which is funny because it's, it's someone that's been involved in mini golf for a relatively short period of time of like 10 or so years. It's been maybe the last three or four years, really, Pat and I becoming friends and doing the podcast, getting to even know that there's all of these different competitions overseas and that they're played completely different, except for somehow early in my mini golf career in our first year of documenting courses in the Jersey shore, there were a felt golf course was on a rooftop and was across from an Eternet course. And if you go back and find our reviews of those tea time and tea time two you can see an incredibly embarrassing photo of me standing on an Ethernet course that I had no idea. And I was just like, this is so weird. Why wouldn't you stand on it? And now looking back, it's like, God, this is like the epitome of dumb American mini golfer photo that you could have. So I'll, I'll, I'll own that. I, I, I'll own that. I've said and done some dumb things in my life, but yeah, there the the conception that there were like other mini golfs out there it's funny that i think between zoom the internet and all that i think those worlds are starting to become more aware of 
the option. Like Europeans are knowing more about what we have in the States and vice versa. I think more people in the States are becoming aware of how different mini golf is played competitively in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I think with social media, it's it's good to to spread the sport overseas and all all around the world. Yeah, and it's interesting to have that perspective because I started my like competitive career in the early two thousands, and I remember some of my first tournaments. Like that's where I met Hans for the first time because he had come over and knew some people, and like now kind of looking back on it and realizing that was kind of a lot of your guys first exposure to the what we had in the states in terms of the types of courses and thinking about like the masters course which is you know adventure golf but very different than a city golf adventure golf style as well with you know the rocks and things and seeing that or hearing about that from a different perspective is interesting because like tom said i think we always put ourselves in our position and thinking about the european mini golf and not really thinking about how that turned around with you guys being exposed yeah. to our strange version over here yeah, yeah, I think the most people you look at what you have and that's the normal and the, right. everything else is strange. And and I imagine, you know, jumping back to talking about City Golf and the tour that the big push for the MOS Adventure Golf style is that it is a lot easier entry point for a broader audience of competitive players and for the game to grow. I assume that was a large part of how the tour got started is that they just saw this as something that more people could really get into and that you also had a built-in club system at all those clubs where people would travel and play. Have you have you seen that come, you know, have you seen that come true in the last 2 years where it's really a, attracting new and different people? Yeah, it is. I know Sonsval, when we built our course in 2018, I think we had 15 members total. And I think this year we have like 1,600 members. <laughs> so, yeah. You said 1,600, right? Yeah, 1,600 members. M m most are members to play at the course for free during the summer. But we have like 60 or 70 different people who play the competitive tournaments this year wow and 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 so for people who are listening i think pat and i have heard numbers around competitive mini golf in sweden and that there's probably tens of thousands of people who are active members of a club at any given time and so that that confirms it and it's just mind-blowing for us can you describe what that club system and setup looks like because it is so different than how our mini golf courses are operated in the United States. So what is like a club system look like in Sundsvall? I, I can try. <laughs> uh, well, in Sundsvall, we, we have a pretty low member fee and all members play for free at the course during all the season. Okay. So many, many issues when they come and it, compared to playing once or twice, they see themselves, well, this is fun. Let's get a membership and play as much as we want instead. And correct me if I'm wrong, you're the club manager at Soonsfall as well? No, I'm not. Oh, that was my mistake. <laughs> um, but, but all of the clubs have like a manager that manage the membership? No, we, the no not really. Okay. We have 
we have a board that runs the club, but we have uh, committees within the club. As my my mother is responsible responsible for for the store in at the course, and we I'm part of the youth training. So we will split it up a bit, and uh, yeah. And what does that look like for? I mean, maybe this is getting too in the weeds, but how much does it cost for a membership for someone to be a member of a club for a year there? Uh, we have a family price of 700 Swedish crowns, like $70, give or wow. take. And then additional $10 per person in the family. Oh, wow. If you're fam- so if you're a family of three, it's like $100. And then wow. you can play all season. And then on top of that, there's obviously people who become really competitive and they play in competitions. So do you have club only competitions or regular yeah. competitions? Are those like weekly then? Yeah, we have, we have in Sundsvall a tournament every Saturday and Sunday all season. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And that's like a separate price and people pay to do that um, to compete yeah. or members play for free. It's free to play. Wow, and, and then, uh, we we have a final in the in the end of the season where where the club sponsors some prizes. So for those of you that are touring overseas, like this is like a really fun thing in Sweden. Where I assume this is a common thing in every, most of the clubs that there's yeah. regular competition. So if you wanted just to come out and you know maybe pay a modest club fee and just play with some top players, that could be a fun experience. I don't think even if you come as a guest, I don't think you even have to pay to oh, wow. the membership fee. In in Sons, well, everyone is welcome to to take part of the the competitions without fee. I, was wow. say, I would pay the membership fee just because it's not that much more expensive <laughs> than just paying for four people to play mini golf on most of our courses yes. one time <laughs> here in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the idea we have in Sons, well. We we have a low fee because we want members to be there. 10, 20 times every season instead. Yeah. No, and that's that's how you grow the game. I think there's yeah. a lot of courses in the States that look at doing these annual memberships and see it as, well, if these diehards are coming back really often, why don't we get the full price from them? And I look at it as we know from visiting mini golf courses at various times there's so many times of day and during times of the week where there's nobody playing on those courses. So yeah. why not have your course look active? Because even if random people show up and they see that there's 10, 15, 20 people on the course, they don't feel like these losers that are the only people playing mini golf that day. So and then on and then on top of that, I assume if you're a member of the club and you're traveling and competing because they all have these kits that you can buy. You can buy, you know, shirts and pants and jackets of your representing your club and get your initials on that. And that's just something that any member of the club can do and take part in. Yeah. Yeah. If you're playing the big tournaments in Sweden, like the City Golf Tour or, and stuff, you need to have uh, clothing from the, the club you're representing. Oh, wow. It's like a requirement? Yeah. Oh wow! I like this. I like that they're showing up as a team, and yeah, and e- e- even in the practicing, the official practice before the tournament, it's mandatory to use the the club clothes. 
Wow. And I don't get the sense that 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 there's any complaints about that either. I see the players wear it as a sense of pride and when people are practicing, it's and even competing, it's very clear that if you see a member from your club out there and they might be, you know, trying to figure out a read that it's fairly common that you might go over there and offer them some advice and that's part of the system and the club system over there that it's almost a a team effort that you would want your club to be the other clubs overall yeah 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 of course but even over the the club limits we travel together with uh, with people from other clubs and practice together as well that's awesome yeah i i i I was over obviously as i talked about earlier this year uh, for the city golf tour which we're going to eventually dig into and that was the thing that I was the most impressed with was how much it represented. I was impressed by how much it looked like a team sport. And I don't think people in the United States would ever think of competitive putting or even golf as much of a team sport. But it's clear that it is in Sweden. And yeah. it seems to be showing to work better than just going out there on your own based on how many of the top players are from Sweden on all of the forms of mini golf, whether it's MOS, whether it's felt, even Eternit, like the top players, I think anybody that's paying attention to competitive mini golf know they're from Sweden. And it makes sense that the city golf tour kicked off there. So you had year one and it went pretty well. And for those uh, that don't know about it, kind of talk about how it would work for that tour. So you have a number of events and then you have a championship. How does it look for members competing, you know, and from Sweden and from people overseas, you know, to try to play events in that season to make the championship? Yeah, we have in, if you look at the season just played, we have six qualifiers. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be able to qualify for the final, you had to play participate in at least three of them. And uh, at every qualifier, we have a point system. The winner think gets uh, sixty points, and then depending on the number of participants, it's yeah, a list goes down. Not everyone gets a point, but you get the the participation, even if you don't get the points in the tournaments. And then we have the 48 best players with the most points during the season that advance to the to the final. And we haven't even have some wild cards for the final. I think it was six wild cards this year. And uh, yeah, the final was played in Ashim mm-hmm. in a, in a strange format. If you say, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the with the format i am we talked about it a little bit but essentially they were taking groups well they started it off with everybody playing what was it five rounds yeah four four rounds on the saturday and one round on sunday and then after that the top group of people the top 30 people were then pulled into what 10 groups of three or was it no, no, five five heats with six in each heat. That's right. And based on those groups, so you'd play with that group and you're competing within that group. 
and was the top two players in each group that advanced, plus yeah. then the quote unquote lucky loser. Yeah, um, exactly. Which was a really, really clever thing because if you get, you know, if you get set up with a group of just killer players and you're third in that group, you might have the third best score overall of the players, but you're third in your group. And if it was just the top two in your group, you don't advance. But the way that they had set it up was that you pulled in additional people that had the next best scores that didn't win their heat to pull them forward. And you pulled, what was it, two? two yeah, two, two lucky losers. So and we had each round. Yeah. So after the first five heats was played, additional two additional heats was formed with six players in each. So 12 players advancing to the semifinals and then the finals was six correct yeah yep and we watched it and uh it was it was wild it was it was really wild it was uh it was ricard lochner and hans olofsson two players that no one was surprised to see of playing off in the championship with just ridiculous scores both of them hans didn't look like he was going to advance to the finals, and then he tied the course record, of course, uh, yeah. after having an okay round of 31, which any of us would be happy to have on those courses, but then he shoots a 21, and then they go into the finals, and it didn't Ricard like start the round with like nine or ten hole-in-ones? Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> and that, that I think that's the best mini-golf I've watched during all my years. The, the level they were playing in the final was amazing. And... We were fortunate to be able to watch this in part because, A, we had some great commentary commentary from Eddie's sister, but then also, Eddie, you were behind the scenes helping bring the video and the live streaming to life. How did that come together for all these events? Like, what was the thinking behind that? Uh, when we started the tour, we wanted the tour to be something different from a normal competition. So we... We wanted live streams and we wanted a player-based web page. If you have watched the City of Tour, you have all the players and all the results during the the years. And the first year, we even had the numbers on each player, so you could follow up. I think that we had it for two years just to make sure it... It was a bit more important than the, the standard competition. Yeah, yeah, and um, after that, we 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 wanted to stream all tournaments as well. So we bought the gear to do it, and uh, yeah, it's a much work making go making it work every time. And I think we evolved during the years doing it. Yeah, and I think the format in the championship is easier to cover too when you have those smaller groups and specific heats of players especially at the end i know that through most of the city golf tour you were doing a lot of the four-way split screens and for the earlier rounds and by and large those were just cameras that were set in place streaming and then some commentary and then for most of those were you doing a little bit of single camera following around the last couple groups for those the those tour events yeah yeah exactly we have we we want to cover the final round for the best players 
So then we move cameras and uh, make sure to get as much as we can on the stream. Have you found a, besides all of us enjoying being able to see it, and I'm sure the family and friends of people playing, being able to see it, but has there been other positive benefits in terms of getting more sponsors from that, getting any other media coverage from more, you know, traditional media outlets? Like, is has there been a, a benefit from doing the, the streaming that way? I don't think it's been much, not that we have seen. I think this year when we went more for the social media with short clips has given us more than the eight hour streams. That's, yeah, the family watches mostly. And those of us who are jealous here in the U.S. watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's an interesting thing about the social media part, too. And because I think we see that even with like in the world championships, which had the live streaming as well and is extremely well done and it had some amount of views. But when you compare that to the, the level of views and the hits we got from the Instagram reels or Facebook, reel, like there's a vast difference in terms of how that's connecting. And I'm wondering, you know, what your perspective is in terms of the live streaming and going forward is, do you see it as a necessity? Do you see it as a way is eventually going to pick up? Like what's the, the best way? Cause Tom and I too are trying to dive into some of these things and, you know, the, the world adventure golf tour is doing live streaming and it's just how much do we put effort into that now versus maybe the social media aspect of it because we're limited on resources. Yeah. Yeah. I think streaming it's important to grow the sport because when you, you watch the clips on social media, you may get interested in the sport, but what to watch after that? I think there needs to be something more than just the clips on social media that gets a lot of views. Right. So using kind of social media as an entryway to the yeah, more, yeah, the longer exactly. format stuff. And I think the the long format stuff maybe needs to be divided into the final round and this is when when the winner is decided. I don't think it's for a random person want to watch eight hours of mini golf. Yeah, and and I think all of us have talked separately, but have similar opinions about how hard it is to watch, where people play the game very differently, and there's. No problem with people who just have a very specific setup. That's how they play the game. But from a viewing perspective, when you have people that literally stand over the ball for every stroke to start off each hole, each lane, that it's a minute, that's really yeah. hard for people to watch. And frankly, for live streaming, there were a number of times when I was watching the World Championship that I thought my feed had paused. These people just have an impressive yeah. level of being able to stand incredibly still. And I appreciate that patience, but it would be like watching someone meditate. It's not yeah. really a spectator sport. Has that come up for concerns in city golf or is the play been, or, or is that something where you talk to the players about that with the streaming? No, I think we have to adapt around it. We can't make the players change. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think we can change the rules either to make the players change. We have the rules for one minute. And I think 
I think that's a good rule. Yeah. Although I will say Major League Baseball would tell you that they could absolutely make their players change how fast they do yeah. things. Maybe one day when we were that yeah. big, we could have more influence. But you're right. I mean, I think at this point, it's a lot harder sell to get people to, to change what they've been doing for multiple decades just to say, hey, well, it looks better on a stream. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we have, when we, we stream the final round, we often have to ask the players to wait so we can move the cameras and stuff to, into the next lane. And I think that's about what what we can do. Yeah. And even some of the players, I think, might get frustrated about the speed of play because there are some players I know talk to Greg Newport about it. And I can tell with Ricard, they don't they don't like to stand over the ball. They really move one hole after another, just really yeah. get in a rhythm and you know, I really appreciate those players understanding the value of having a broadcast event and adapt and understand that if the game's going to grow, there's some of these things that we all have to do in the adapting, waiting for cameras to get set up and taking the time and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I, it's, a, it's a mental bit about it as well. You need to, to be able to focus and. the... Uh, I know when we play in Sweden during the when we have uh, oh what the the team tournaments when you we play for the club you often try to even match the slower player against someone fast from the other team to make them get out of sync and vice versa. Mm, that and is if, very interesting. And well, gamesmanship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I, I know myself is I played with one that that stands a minute over the ball every time. I speed up even more <laughs> just to make them feel feel the pressure. So how long have you played, Pat? Uh, so I played my first tournament in 2003 yeah. and played here and there for probably about 10 years. And then it was really since 2014 that I've played more consistently um, in the big tournaments in the U.S. and then starting to do a little bit on, you know, international. I played Team USA in 2019. So, yeah, so yeah, so probably about the past 10 years of really being in it. But yeah, no, I when I started, yeah, I think it was not long after I started. Like I met Olivia. She had first come over early on. Yeah. And then I met Hans and Anders and a couple other people. They had known Gary Schiff from the U.S. side and yeah. invited them over. So it was interesting to start playing and jumping right into a tournament and these you know guys from Sweden were over here kicking our butt. And so that's why I laugh like 20 years later, <laughs> they still come over and kick everybody's <laughs> butt. And that was my first yeah. experience with it. But um, I was happy to, to make those relationships early on in my career. Yeah. Yeah. Do you plan to go play in Europe anything soon? Um, no, because I, with a lot of with this media stuff and even in the U.S., what we've been doing in the AMA, I've actually been playing less tournaments and been trying to do more of the organizational stuff and, um, you know, trying to help our players. So, like, I didn't even play in our WAG tour tournament because I was running it. But so now I'm trying to, like, help our winner get over to that final. I do want to yeah. get back over to Sweden and play, like, one of the City Golf events like tom did um, yeah you should yeah and uh, 
Well, I was, and I was joking, like when I was in Uppsala covering the world championships, I only played one round of mini golf. We played on the MOS course like one time. I was there for five days. I played one round of mini golf. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you in Uppsala for the whole event? No, I was there mostly for the, the delegates conference and stuff on the weekend. Yeah. So I left right after the opening ceremony. So I was there for some of the practice okay. days. Yeah. But it was, yeah. yeah, I wanted to stay longer, but it was my kid's first week of school. So I was like, well, I got to kind of get back for that. <laughs> yeah, of course. You have many children? Yeah, I have two. I have a son who's eight and a daughter who's five. The future of mini golf. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> they, they haven't gotten super into the, the competitive side yet, but we go out and everybody asks me, I was like, oh, you know, when you go out there, you're you know teaching your kids all this stuff. And I was like, no, when I go out with my kids, we're just having fun. Right? Yeah. Like, you know, we don't got to worry about it. And again, it's, you know, it's different with the way the, the U.S. is set up. We, you know, we don't have any of that competitive culture. So when we go out, yeah, it's like, all right, we're out on the big pirate ship course. You know, we're not thinking about yeah. <laughs> competition. We're thinking about pirates. Yeah, exactly. Talking about U.S. Yeah, so we'll talk about the kids and stuff and how there's like, you know, Putt-Putt, I guess, had more of that. But like, you know, it's not like we have, right, I play, I'm the dad in this situation, but my kids, there's not like a youth competition to really be involved in. And so when we're out on these courses, we don't think competitively. We're just like, oh, cool, there's pirates and there's dinosaurs and there's whatever. <laughs> yeah. I think that could be a hit in Sweden as well for the the younger crowd. That's our move, Tom. That's a, yeah. that's what we got to do. Go br- yeah. move to Sweden, and we should bring massive U.S. style dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not no. cheap building that stuff in the U.S. Unfortunately, either as my wife and I know from our own work with clients, but. Um, so we were we were in the middle of the conversation talking about speed of play. So with the, all of the city golf events, you have a specific branded ball that you use for all of your events during the year. So if you play any of them, you know what kind of a ball you're going to use, and they let you know in advance that ball. But everybody's playing with that same ball, which is very different than when you grew up playing felt golf. Because if I'm correct, when you were playing felt golf growing up, you would use the traditional European-style balls and you would change out at each hole, depending on the hole and the lane, uh, what kind of ball you would use. So how has that transition been not only for you, but for other players moving away from this notion of you show up to a tournament with a case of balls that you might use to, I'm going to play with this one ball for this entire tour. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bit odd for people used to playing with mini golf balls and having to try different balls to find the best one of each course or lane. Sorry. But um, I think... Many of us likes the simplicity of only playing with one ball. You don't don't need as much practice to to try every ball because you know what ball you're gonna play anyway. You just have to to find the right la- line on each lane. And so, for your local clubs, do you have 
tournaments and regular events where you're playing with mini golf balls as well? Or are you trying to do more of the competitive stuff, even in your club, with just golf it ball It is only? different in different clubs in Sweden. In the Sundsvall, okay. we only play with the golf ball all season. And uh, yeah. in the, like, Achimes and the, some more clubs, they alternate some tournaments with the mini golf balls and some with the, with golf ball. And what are you seeing as the trends with either new people coming to the game or the preference of players? Because I think it feels a little split. I think there's some players that really like being able to use those mini golf balls and they probably play felt as well as adventure golf maybe. And then it feels like there's some people that just want to play golf ball and don't want to have to deal yeah. with the mini golf balls. Like, does it, is that, is that correct? Does it feel like there's kind of a, a split or yeah. more people moving yeah, towards the golf ball? It's like two camps, I think battling out what's the best way. Some say, Mini golf, a big part of mini golf is to choose the right ball for each lane. And then you have the players on the other side saying mini golf is about the, the pace and the, the direction of the ball. So it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think there, there's two camps about it. And uh, yeah, I don't think we will get along. We'll get along, but I don't think we will find the right answer to the to the question. I think we we have to have both it both ways. I think. Yeah, and I w- I would tend to agree. I think a lot of the arguments I've heard from people about mini golf balls is a it's a much more precision sport that allows people to vary their play. It distinguishes the game, and unlike golf, where we use the same club we're just essentially switching out the balls for the clubs and there's a variety of clubs and balls in golf so with mini golf why not just switch out the ball and you know disc golf people who play that that's what they do you know though on each hole they might be switching out which disc they use but ultimately it gives mini golf a distinction by having those mini golf balls but again these mini golf balls that are not common to find in shops that are very uncommon to people in the United States that require you to have some knowledge of the game and then where to buy these. And then on top of that, you and your club systems over there, like at Uppsala, they had an entire collection of balls that if you were a club member, you probably could try them out, see how they feel, and maybe you seek out that ball. Here, there might be one person in your city, if you're lucky. Yeah that has a small collection of mini golf balls that you could try out. And a lot of it's, it's like going back in the day when you would mail order a record and someone wrote up a description that seemed interesting, but you just kind of had to go on it because there was no Spotify. There was no YouTube. You weren't able to check it out in advance and you get the record and you're like, Oh crap, that wasn't very good. And you spent a lot of money because these mini golf balls are, 20 euros each so it's close to 20 to 25 dollars each you start adding that up you play a tournament with the assumption you're going to bring a couple of balls that you might try to figure out whether they work or not plus then maybe assuming you need a bunch of different ones for different holes you could end up traveling to a tournament with 20 plus balls so you're bringing 
$400 worth of balls. That's more than most people's clubs that they're buying to hit the ball. That 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 all of a sudden becomes a huge barrier to entry. And as we see, like with a lot of these tournaments, the mini golf ball scores are exceptionally lower than with golf ball only. Because I would imagine if someone went up to your course and played mini golf balls, they could get a lower score than you could with the golf ball. Yeah, yeah, you, you can. But uh, many of the courses we build is built for golf ball as well. So, so there, there sure. is a, a thought about it to to make it a, be able to play with golf ball in a competitive way. But there are some perks with playing with mini golf anyway. Sure. And and one thing for people who may not have seen some of these city golf courses that are using these competitions, by and large, most of the courses will have a little bit of a dish or a drop pocket around the cup. So if you get the ball to the cup with the right pace within maybe six inches, th- there's a little bit of a funnel in to the cup. Is that pretty standard across most of the city golf courses or relatively? Yeah, I think in the new course in Sonswall, I think we have that in six of the holes out of 18. Okay. It's, so, okay. It, yeah, but uh, on the old, older course, I think maybe 12 lanes with pockets. Okay. But go, going back to, to the mini golf balls you pl- talked about, I heard. Uppsala was went to play the Champions League a couple of years ago and brought with them 10,000 mini golf balls playing 18 holes. Oh <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, of course they haven't played. Not sure what balls to use. So then you need a good system to know where the balls are and how they is different from each other. <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, 10,000. I mean, you're, you're talking such a minute variations at that point, too, which, yeah. and, I, you know, and that's, I think, been the hard part about describing that to the people in the United States, like not only what the big variations are, right? I think at some point people are like, all right, well, this one's really bouncy and this one's dead. I understand that. But then as you try yeah. to narrow that gap of yeah. well, what's the difference between, you know, four, 14 centimeters and 13 centimeters and this yeah. and that, but 10,000, I'm just, like the suitcases you need for 10,000 yeah. golf balls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a sick. <laughs> um, that, that is wild. So last year you had how many events on that city golf tour? Was it six again? Six, six qualifiers and the one final. Well, okay. And one of those was in yeah, Finland exactly. year, correct? And this year, six qualifiers Five again? Five qualifiers. Five qualifiers. And... How has the City Golf Tour for 2024 changed from 2020? I think the big change is we are talking about dropping the the need to play three tournaments down to only need to play two. And then dropping mm. one qualifier, so only have five qualifiers instead of six. I think that's the, that's the that big change. Sense. And did you make that change? Because I know as someone that played on the tour that that I got a survey to kind of give feedback on what it my experience was that a general 
piece of feedback from yeah. a lot of the players? Yeah, maybe more from the clubs. Many of the clubs doesn't okay. want to close the, the course for three days in the middle of July when they have the yeah sure. the money needs to yeah yeah we understand that the, for the sure people, people <laughs> the clubs need needs the, the cash yeah easy as that and to close three days in the middle of the summer it's rough on some of the clubs so this year we have then, no tournaments in the ui oh okay that makes sense i i i tried to go to the one in july last year and frankly the cost of travel during that busy time of year and for lodging yeah. options was also really difficult just with lots of things going on, lots of people traveling. It makes yeah, a lot of sense. That, that's what's unfortunate in Achim last year when the the biggest handball tournament in the world was in, the, in Gothenburg as well, the same dates. So all hotels were pretty much booked up. Yeah. And the idea of this tour and what I love about the wildcard spots is you're really trying to make it appealing for international players. Because if you have a golf ball only, you don't have to worry about packing a whole bunch of boxes of mini golf balls. And yeah. you can know in advance the exact specific ball because you announce that at the beginning of the tour, what you'll be using for the year. And you can even order a couple custom ones, which I think is really cool if you want your club to have yeah. some extra ones and have your branded logo on it, you can do that. What what was a little bit of the thinking behind the wild cards? Was it really to bring in the international players and give them an opportunity, or was is there additional thinking behind that? I think we want to spread the tour over the world. So getting people from as much countries as well as possible to play in the final will increase the interest from that country for the tour and of course we want the best players to play in the final of course and this year you had people obviously from sweden and finland where you had qualifiers but then in addition you had players from austria czech republic united states and anywhere else yeah united kingdom that's as right well. sevi i I almost forgot about Sebi, yeah. and we had a couple of the, the other. The, the lucky guy. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I forgot about that. There's a 54 <laughs> Problems podcast where uh, I think Eddie's nickname for uh, Sebi is the lucky guy who seems to seem to be keeping the luck going this season and played played quite well in 2023 in the United yeah. Kingdom. And I know that he's played a number of the tournaments as well as a number of other uh, BMGA players who I met over on the City Golf Tour in Sumbiberg. The thing that I've talked about that was the most impressive is that in addition to the two-day event, not only did you have a warm-up event on the evening two nights before the competition started, and I assume that was not the weekly tournament, that Thursday night event? No. That was a special thing? That, that, that was, yeah. Uh, Sandberg uh, uh, arranged uh, uh, a mini tournament in in front of the uh, before the the main tournament, and then and many 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 clubs took after and uh, did the same during the year. I think it was uh, very very good. Yeah, and when you just think about traveling for the weekend, 
it's really nice that you could get there, have a little bit of a warm event, see how everybody plays, see what the scores are, and then have a full day of practice after that. And then in addition, what was really nice, because last year in the Sumbiberg tournament, you had the kickoff event where you talked about the tour, explained what was going on for the whole rest of the year, and had a little bit of a friendly doubles best ball event at Hans's uh, golf bar in uh, Signal uh, location, uh, not too far from the course. And that was a lot of fun for players to be in a different setting than the course itself, have a few drinks, have some food and yeah. all of that. I thought that was just brilliant. And for me, traveling all the way from the States, that combination of things with just obviously going to Sweden, which is just an incredible place, was it made it worth it. Like there was so much going on and it's not as common of a thing in the States necessarily, but I think as there's a community growing and getting to know each other, people are just arranging stuff like this. How did, how did that come about for last year? Was it just like, let's try this out or was it, you know, was it? Yeah. Since we did some changes to the tour in going into 2023, we wanted to present it before the, the tour, the tour started. So we talked to Hans and um, yeah, and he, he set up the, the most of it and we got to be there presented for everyone interested. And yeah, I think it was a, a lucky move, a good move. Yeah, it was a smart move. But I think what it seems clear with the City Golf Tour that the people who have organized this are not just organizers themselves, but they are competitors that that yeah. you and a lot of the people that help bring this tour together you're out there competing too i'm curious if there if it's challenging or what are the challenges for you because pat and i see this all the time of being both the person that's putting on the tournament as well as someone when you show up you want to win i mean you want the broadcast to look great you want everybody to feel really happy but if you had your choice you know, of a third thing, you'd probably like to win that tournament over like Kevin or Ricard or Hans or <laughs> any of those guys. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to to focus sometimes when when there is much going on around. Unfortunately, fortunately, we have we have the tour general in place uh, doing most of it during the, the competition. We we have to help some some sometimes before and after the tournament, but during the tournament the the tour general manage most of it. And that's like the referee or the person that if there needs to be a ruling is is, is going to help with the scoring devices. No, that that's the, that's the referee doing that. But uh, we have uh, Ronia has was tour general most of the qualifiers and the final this year. Yeah, fixing the stream, putting up things on social media, interview players, doing all that stuff, make sure everything works. Sure. That makes sense. I mean, it's impressive how much the competitive players and how many of the competitive players are involved in making this tour happen. And it's not surprising why. It, it's going well. What are what are your hopes with the City Golf Tour this year? Are you hoping more people, better streaming, all of it? 
Yeah, well, and I, I guess would. maybe before more people, I mean, I was <laughs> pulled up the leaderboard, but it looks like you had, what, about 160, 170 people play in a event, and it looked about like half of yeah. them maybe played in at least two of them. So that's a pretty good baseline for five or six tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Of course, we, we want more people to to play and the qual- try to take a spot in the final. I think more players will have the possibility to take place to the final when we they only need to play two tournaments instead of three. Very cool. So with a super competitive mini golf family, I imagine if you all get together and you're playing, you're all going to play around and be competitive against each other. Of course. So uh, <laughs> for the record, who's the best? Of your family members. <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> I, I always have to ask that. We, we like a little bit of friendly uh, gamesmanship. Yeah. If, if you're looking merits, I think your dad is in front. Yeah. With some uh, European championship wins. <laughs> but uh, he's old. <laughs> does he play... Does he play uh, still felt golf or does he blame now golf ball no only golf ball for him no no interest it, does that feel like a trend that's not even an age thing that it really is that the players in sweden are moving some of them are moving that way because it seems like adventure golf is relatively new in sweden and yeah yeah it is i think the first adventure golf competitive course was built Built like 2014 wow. in Sweden, 2012 maybe. Wow, and you still all just come over to the states and completely clean up. Uh, do you do you <laughs> think that the competitive systems, the Falcolf and that, have helped players become more precise, no matter what the forms? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see when meeting new players that's new to the sport and good they are behind still from the felt players with the background they have from the from the sport sure and that makes sense because you're really with these mini golf balls as we've alluded to it's just you have all these different properties and you can really really dial in how you want to play a specific hole to the way that you play the game you know, whether you like yeah. to have a longer swing, stronger swing, shorter swing, that there might be a mini golf ball that's better to you. So that's that's it's super interesting. Um, Pat, I feel like we've hit a lot of a lot of great. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess the one question we've talked a little bit oh, about. The, no, no, yeah, we have a couple. A little bit about the U.S. Yes. And, and you haven't played competitively in the U.S., correct? Are you interested? Right, I guess the question that leads to the question: Are you interested? And in what what should the tournaments have caught your eye that you want to come over and participate in? Yeah, I got really interested in the pop stroke tournaments. That, uh, yeah, the Kevin and Matthias and uh, Rickard and Holmes and uh, yeah, that looked really fun to play those courses. I imagine because you and I had exchanged in chatting about putt putt that you'd be curious to play on a putt putt course as well. Yeah, 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 maybe. What about what yeah. a, what about the the big wild courses that we have with dinosaurs and pirate ships and big windmills? 
I, I don't think I see them as competitive sure. forces. It's, inter- it's that, interesting, though, because some of them so, are like, you know, is like it's a mix. And I think that's yeah. the hard part that we have is that yeah. you can play some of those courses. And I think of like the Pirates Cove courses, right? Like you look at this and these huge, yeah. huge, you know, pirate themed things. But like the holes themselves are... You know, you can shoot under 36 on some of those courses and, you know, the bricks are not that bad. And so it's like, you know, an interesting mix because then you could go next door to a very similar themed one and it will be all over the place. And you'll be like, well, I never would want to play a tournament on this type of course. So there's a lack of con- consistency yeah. in there. But yeah. I do think it's kind of fun when you get to play a course that is competitive and is wild at the same time because it just that feels like mini golf to me. Right. It's it, you're putting it away yeah. from. Yeah. being like just a, deriv- a derivation of golf at that point yeah from the background i have i think if i make a perfect shot i want an ace sure. and that's not really possible on many of nearly the any courses. of them no, that, that's it. the wild part and i know tom yeah. and i have talked about this yeah. like not even having a putt putt background, right? Because that's the same thought on the putt putt, yeah. right? Because you can make the aces and the perfect eighteens and and things like that. But us growing up, like that was never. I was happy to get below thirty six and getting less than twos on on all of the the way the courses we have. So it's just wild to like see the other side of that spectrum where I'm like, well, no, mini golf for us is there's an element yeah. of luck, like, and that you just got to play through it. Yeah. Yeah, even the course that I grew up on and playing where host an AMA tournament uh, at the Miniest Mini Golf Open at Lilliput. When I grew up there, getting par when I wasn't very good and I was just going out with the family was hard. It was 66, and our course record is a 46. And there's many of the holes where you can ace them, and you're really trying to get your ball in the best position to get a two but some of those holes, twos are really, really hard. And so it's about managing your round, which looks a lot more like big golf. But I think what my my interest in mini golf is that it has so many different possibilities. You can have these really long and challenging courses where it is about laying up and setting up so you can get a really good look at a two, which is a much different game than a lot of the competitive styles where you have an exact place where you can set up where there is a good line for a hole-in-one every time on the standard competitive ones. And on putt-putt, it's pretty close. I, I, I think there's very few putt-putt courses in that style where you're not going for the hole-in-one, even when it looks like a precarious shot, that you can get a hole-in-one and everything, that's the expectation, and you really go for it. In most mini-golf courses that yeah. we play, that's... That's not even an option. I am thankful for having played a city golf course competitively because I've scored my lowest round ever in competition on a city golf course. So (laughs) happy to have had that under my belt. (laughs) I tried. I tried. I did not get there. (laughs) Thanks to Eddie, I was able to at least walk away from the city golf tour with a small win where on the first day I played the first hole really well. And it was kind of Eddie to share that one standout fact with me (laughs) when there were several holes that were really, really easy that... I somehow had not dialed in very well. But yeah, the the City Golf Tour and what you're doing will be ultimately appealing to me for a very, very long time. And as much as I can get over and away to Sweden, 
to compete, that will be a tournament high on my radar because coming from the States, it, it's a little bit of an equalizer. I, I don't need to travel with a bunch of mini golf balls, which I don't really know how to play with yet anyways. And I know that the tournaments are well organized and there's going to be opportunities to learn and play. I know that both you and Kevin were kind enough on my first day out there to show me the shots. Now, did I take good notes and did I remember them? No, but uh, did I make my shots in the tournament? No, but uh, I felt the most set up for having the best time playing mini golf and trying to compete well. And that, that, that meant a lot, like just having that welcoming and that atmosphere there. So city golf tour for those listening and you're thinking about international travel for mini golf and you're not a mini golf ball player has got to be top of your list. It really does catching either a single event or uh, as Eddie had mentioned earlier, they have this wild card where if you're a competitive player and a good putter, you can submit a wild card entry and see if you're selected. I think you're going to have to be a top player in order to be selected based on the previous years, but do well, maybe over in your country, in the States, in a bunch of AMA tournaments, you know, there might be an opportunity for you to make the cut down the road. And uh, we've seen a variety of people make it. So keep it on your list. We'll talk about it. Uh, we did this year and we'll continue to talk about it. But um, any kind of last thoughts or any words of advice or welcoming that you can offer to people looking at the city golf tour? I think, as you mentioned, the, the welcoming. We are like a big family, everyone competing. Everyone is welcome, and we, we always help and show how to play each lane. <laughs> Even if we wanted to beat you during the competition, but <laughs> we, we don't mind helping you get the lines. I love that. I love that extra little thing. And <laughs> there is that friendly competition that you want and that, that, that slightly dry uh, wit that you only get in these our northern cultures where it's like, we welcome you all, but we also want to like completely beat <laughs> you in this tournament. So I, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I rather win a tournament when I play good and you play good than I win a tournament where I play bad yeah. and win. Yeah. Truer words couldn't be spoken. Well, uh, Pat, any anything <laughs> no, else? I mean, we covered a lot. I think we've hit on everything I want to talk about. Agreed. Well, Eddie, thank you for joining us on the podcast. We will definitely be excited to follow this tour and wish you the best not only in running the tour but maybe this year you can uh, come out on top too i hope thank you for having me and here's the part of the show where we once again graciously thank walkabout mini golf vr for their support of the podcast and ama they are by far our favorite vr mini golf game and frankly best mini golf game i own a quest headset and the only game I ever play on it is Walkabout, and I get to play it regularly with mini golfers and folks from around the world in VR competition that feels exactly like playing in real life competition. So 
You can go check that out online. We encourage it. They just released the Around the World in 80 Days course, and that completes the Jules Verne trilogy of courses that they have available that are all just wonderful to play, but also just to explore, search around. If you're fans of design and of immersive experiences, you're going to have a blast. You can do the box hunts. You can search for the mini golf balls that are hidden on all of the holes and all of that. But for the newest course, you can just take a romp around the Eiffel Tower and play the new courses and just have a blast as try to stay warm during these cold, cold winter months. So check out Walkabout if you haven't already. And if you have it, go online and check out some of the leagues. One of the leagues is embedded in the official Discord for Walkabout Mini Golf. And if you join that league, we use some of those weeks of play for our official American Mini Golf Alliance virtual scoring tier. So worth getting used to. So uh, Walkabout, we remain very big fans. Now we're on the Big Thoughts Mini Golf. So recently we got a chance to connect it with some of the big golf and our contributions to a golf.com article. We talked a little bit about that in our last episode, where that went, where it came from, what we did with that. But one of the best parts about that article was that while they made it clear that there's a connection to our big cousin regular golf or big golf, like we normally call it here, that mini golf really was something to be enjoyed in its own unique way. We feel that way, not only about going out and playing golf if you want to, but all types of mini golf. In our eyes, all of them are good, and while we all have our preferences, we talked a little bit about this last episode, we'll play them all if given a chance. So if you found our way to our podcast from the article, welcome to the world of mini golf, and we hope you have fun. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, put one ready. <laughs>